The Leap Foundation proudly presents the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman. Dr. Bill is a TV host, New York Times bestselling author, two-time Guinness World Book record holder, fitness guru, celebrity cosmetic dentist, and philanthropist who founded the Leap Foundation. Here's Dr. Bill. Hey, Dr. Bill here. So I'm super excited to introduce you to my friend and the amazing Megan. Before I do, we finally got the official dates for LEAP 2022. It will be live, hopefully with about 450 students and virtual, possibly thousands and thousands. So we're super excited. It will be an awesome program. Just to speak, we're sure going to have Richard Branson. We're for sure going to have Mark Wahlberg back. We're for sure going to have sure and potentially Evil Longoria, but it'll be an amazing, amazing lineup. The dates are July nah, 17th to the 23rd, and it will be at UCLA. UCLA requires that all attending students must be vaccinated. So we did it this year. It worked out well. Uh, so if you want to come to Leap Live, get vaccinated. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you're going to be virtual. But that's still a great program, too. Meet the Mentor has exploded. I found out two weeks ago that we are in the top two and a half percentile of all podcasts worldwide, which is crazy. I also got this amazing crystal microphone for being in the top 100 casts in over 100 countries. And I think for a while we were like number one in Yemen, number two in Iceland, number three in Finland. It's nuts. So I hope you enjoy this. We have an amazing guest. I've been on her show. In fact, I was on her debut show, which was really fun. And I'm going to do a lot more with her in the future. So let me tell you a little bit about Megan. The Megan Pormer Show is an American nighttime television variety talk show hosted by Megan Pormer. She's an international brand ambassador, philanthropist, and believe it or not, doctor of biomedical engineering. The highly successful show, with, which launched September 2020, breaks tradition by inviting fascinating social media influencers, reality stars, music, and celebrity guests, along with high-end brands, doctors, and wellness officials to the show, filming in studio or on location in order to give the audience a dynamic, fun, engaging, and interactive experience. Each week, Megan's special feature spotlights a brand from a bold and exciting point of view, giving them the opportunity to shine with heart on television in front of millions and millions and millions of viewers. Megan Pormer uses her platform to also break some of the biggest media outlets worldwide, including 2.2 million Instagram followers. Her show airs on Fox 11 every Friday night, and it is with great pleasure that I introduce you to my dear friend, Megan. Hey, how are you? Hello, hello. Well, one of my, you, you forgot to mention one of my biggest achievements, which is finding a friend like you. <laughs> you seriously, you're one, oh, of that's so sweet. you're one of the best things that's happened to me, and I'm, your energy, your being, it feels... You, I, I honestly, I feel like in the end of the day, what's valued the most for me personally 
is the people that I have around me, the people that are willing to be there for me in thick and thin, and they're always there to cheer me up. And Bill, you're one of them, and I love you dearly. Well, you know what? Literally, it was love at first sight. There are times you meet people in your life when you just know that you're going to be lifelong friends, and you were one of them. Um, it was a crazy day. I was I was filming her inaugural uh, episode of her show um, with like thousands of people around, but you know we still connected. It is awesome, and um, you have had an amazing career already at such a young age. And I, I, I let's first talk about your education. I mean, you went to school. And you graduated with a degree in biomedical engineering from where? Uh, Imperial College London. And, okay, most biomedical engineers don't end up walking in fashion shows. You've been in the top fashion shows in Dubai, in New York. I mean, how did you make this transition? It just doesn't seem congruent with a biomedical engineer. So, Bill, the reason I chose biomedical engineering, one was because I was fascinated to find an alternative way of designing uh, implants that are similar to body parts. So then hopefully we can then replace organs and then we can replace everything and we can make human body immortal. So that was something that I was always fascinated by. And I did it because I come from a culture where... um, education was really important to my family. And I knew that in order for me to be the good girl, I have to study. So I was being the good girl while I was the UN ambassador for children's rights in the Middle East, all uh, since I was five years old. And then I reached a point where I felt like I have only one life to live. And there's only one thing I can do, which is listening to my inner voice and my intuition. And even though I started my career in biomedical engineering and it was, and I had a lot of success in a very short period of time, it was always authentic to me to marry it with something in the entertainment industry because I was feeling like the message isn't getting out. The message of all the progress we're making, all the cures uh, that doctors are basically inventing for different diseases, the message isn't getting out and therefore people can't quite benefit from it until they get sick. So I thought I will be the microphone that will marry these two worlds. And I honestly only listened to my intuition and it was... nobody had done it. Well, later on, I found you and I realized that you had done it marrying these two worlds. Um, But I felt like I only have one choice following my intuition and the rest will figure itself out. But you're I mean, your background is fascinating. Let's start as a little girl. You were born in what country? I was born in Iran. In Iran. From Iran, just kind of give us a timeline from the time you were born to today, all the places you've lived and kind of, you know, what you've done in those places. So basically, I was born in one of the most suppressed countries in the world. and Where education very- for women is not really fostered that much, Correct. which is also another thing why you're a little bit of an outlier. But I'll stop interrupting. Go on. I, uh, I, I. 
I was maybe four or five when my parents literally pulled me to the side and they said, hey, you are a wild free spirit and we were supportive of that. But we live in a country where it's a little difficult to, you know, uh, the country won't adjust to you. You would have to adjust or you're going to have to go elsewhere. And I, for a brief moment, tried to fit in, but it wasn't authentic. And again, there was always this inner voice that was telling me, if it is not authentic, you need to run away. You need to follow your intuition. And um, I was doing a lot of modeling and acting as a kid, because in Iran, it's easier to do stuff while you're a kid. But once you turn into a teenager, life becomes a lot harder in terms of all the strict rules and regulations in the country. Um, when I was about 13, I moved to Dubai and that Dubai was similar to Iran, but it was also like similar to the West for me to understand the both worlds and understand that the both worlds are messed up, that they're equally broken, just in different ways, because both of them came from collective traumatic psyches of people and they're both broken. One is more broken in the obvious ways and the other one is more broken in more psychological ways. And I have to make them both perfect. So if I want to play the victim that, oh, I was from this country and I wanted to do this and I want to do that. Guess what? The sky is the same everywhere. And um, so I decided to just follow my intuition and customize a path through the world that can serve that particular purpose in that moment. What I mean by that is, I realized that to be the UN ambassador for children's rights, Iran is the best country to be at. But then when I wanted to start modeling, Iran would, I would have gone into jail. So I moved to Dubai, started some modeling there. Then when I wanted to study, I wanted to be loud. I needed people to know about all my published papers. So I was like, Europe is the place to be. So I moved to England, I went to boarding school, I went to university, and then in the end, we know where the biggest microphone in the world is. It's in Los Angeles. So that's how I ended up here. But I didn't follow cultures or countries. I followed my intuition. And cultures and countries happen to play their roles. But along the way, you had some big highlights. I mean, you were Miss Dubai, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, that doesn't happen by accident, you know? I mean, you really went out on a limb and I love your independence. I love your spirit. I love the fact that you realize I can't change a whole country and where am I gonna fit in this? That takes a lot of guts for anybody, anybody, you know? And, you know, you're living in a, in a society that really suppresses education for women and to have the fortitude and the wherewithal to say, I'm not going to be okay with this and to move on. Uh, kudos to you. I mean, that's amazing. Thank you. Well, I was, when I was seven, my mother took the, um, uh, told me about the power of mind and the power of energy. And she asked me to ma start manifesting things. So, and I started manifesting really strange things. Like I would manifest that somebody will come and knock on our door and take us to a sold out concert because I wanted that person to. Sorry, we have a little visitor here. She needs to say, <laughs> hello, this is Scarlett. Did you say I've that? met Scarlett before. Hello, Scarlett. She usually makes little appearances in my interviews. Uh, so she doesn't feel left out. Sorry to come back. Um, 
So I realized the power of mind and energy. And I realized that I am the sole designer of my destiny, regardless of my gender, age, limitations. And I wasn't willing to play victim. I wasn't willing to go through the life as a victim because that would be on me. Right. And so you moved to LA, what year? I moved to LA in 2012. And at the time I wanted to be the first Middle Eastern woman that breaks the barriers between Hollywood and the Middle East, because, you know, I landed in LA and the first thing every manager or agent advised me is that don't say you're from Iran. Don't say you're from the Middle East. Don't tell them about your background. Oh my God. Don't tell them about this. Don't tell them about that. And I was like, Okay, yeah, like, so I like, what should I do? Just live a lie and, you know, be cool with it? You know, the trauma that, that I would have had to suffer from if I were to live a lie? Because here's the thing no matter how successful you can become on this horizontal level, I mean, in the material level, if you're not feeling that you're living authentically to yourself, you're not happy. You're so not true. The vertical dimension, you know what I mean? And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to be me and I'd rather get rejected by, but by being myself than, you know, succeeding by being somebody else. So take us down the path because, I mean, you have your own show on Fox. That's huge. You are the only Middle Eastern woman in the world that can say they did that. How'd that happen? And I know it wasn't by accident. So take us down the path, you know, step-by-step as to what you did to actually get to where you are right now. So Bill, my whole uh, philosophy when it comes to the material world is finding a roadmap, creating roadmaps, exactly like how, if I were to come to your house right now, I would put it in my Google map and it shows me the way. I always design a roadmap to my dreams. Now, you should always leave some room for the magic because sometimes things go better than you expected. Sometimes things go worse than you expected. So those are the detours that you adjust along the way that you need to be, you know, kind of like flexible to. I realized that in order for me to be successful in what I studied at, which I did for my parents, and I always say that I was not smart enough to do it for myself. I did it to please my parents. But I knew one thing, being in front of people was authentic to me. Having a show, talking to people, being on television was authentic to me. And when I was little, my father said, I said, I want to have a show on American TV. And my father said, they don't give that opportunity to an Iranian girl. So then you should definitely get it. So the mindset was that if somebody is not achievable, then I should definitely achieve it. Because it means so how did you prepare how did you prepare yourself for that? I mean, look at these things don't happen by accident, you know? I mean, right. you don't just walk out on a runway at Fashion Week. You need to learn. I mean, there are skills and things like that. How you did my you secret sauce, don't you? <laughs> well, I want you to share your secret sauce so other students who want to emulate you in your career will know what the secret sauce is. Okay. The, I'm going to start from the root and then I'll tell you exactly what my roadmap was because I want people, I want your students when they watch this, I want this to be able to tailor what I'm saying to their lives so they can get something out of it and they can achieve their dreams. The very first thing is that I identified 
what is true to myself? What makes me happy? Why do I think being in front of the camera makes me happy? What is my message? Why do I think being a biomedical engineering makes me happy? What is my message there? Now, once I realized that my message was to tell the world about the discoveries in the wellness and in the medical industry, I started by getting a job in the bioengineering world. So I moved to America by becoming a face of a biotech company that was providing DNA testing for breast cancer predisposition. Now, there was a reason to that. One day I was sitting in the laboratory in my university and we were working at four in the morning on a bunch of tests. And then I thought to myself, nobody cares about all of these amazing professors and doctors that are working so hard. Nobody appreciates them. They get minimum wage and they don't even, and then all you watch on the news is like gossip about the best, you know, fashion trend and who's dating who and all of that. So there is a gap. I saw a gap in the market and I realized there should be somebody who can fill that gap. And that person should be me. I, at the time, Angelina Jolie, when this act, my favorite actress, went public about using a test called BRCA test and uh, it diagnosed her. Well, she, she found out that she's predisposed to hereditary breast cancer and uh, therefore had a preventative double mastectomy. So that test had been available to the public a decade prior to Angelina speaking about it, but nobody was aware of it because no celebrity had attached themselves to it. So that made me understand the power of attaching a big name to a product. I contacted the company that she had taken the test from and I said, I want to be your face. I have a background in modeling and I have a background in biomedical engineering. I want to be your face. They hired me as an intern, so I wasn't getting paid. And it was in San Diego. So going back and forth every day from LA. And I realized that there is no place in there for me because even though I had come from a quote unquote suppressed culture, once I was in America, I wanted to dress like, like what I dress on the runway and go to work. And I couldn't understand why I shouldn't. So there was a female uh, general counsel of the, um, the company who wrote to the CEO and said, we don't care how many PhDs one has. If they look like a Victoria's Secret model, we don't want them at our company. So I realized that I don't, again, I'm back to, I don't fit again. How can I create a path that would fit me? So I realized that there is a market in Beverly Hills of plastic surgeons that do um, breast augmentation for patients. And those patients are very open to the idea of spending a lot of money on their beauty, on their outer beauty. So I may as well add this test for them to see if they're predisposed to hereditary breast cancer. I went to those doctors and guess what? Those doctors see celebrities. So before I knew it, I was seeing celebrities as patients every day. And I spoke to them about the power of this test. And soon, thanks to Dr. Paul Nassif, and thanks to Chris Jenner, I got an opportunity to be on the Kardashian show and talk about the power of, of gen genetic testing and get the whole family tested. And that blew up. That got me seen as this person who was marrying the two worlds. And then I started getting opportunities both in Dubai and in LA to be active both in the wellness community, wellness and medical. And I started 
carving out my own path in the fashion and the acting industry. That's and yeah, I want to tell you something because there's a very, very strong point that we push at leap, and you're you embody this. It's that successful people are willing to do the things that unsuccessful people are not willing to do or even think of. You took a situation, you analyzed what was happening, and you said, I have a new approach. And the approach that you took was phenomenal. And then to be able to work with Paul and to Chris and get on the show like the Kardashians and get your message out to millions and millions of people. I mean, this is not an aesthetic thing. You're saving these women's lives. You know, I mean, Angelina Jolie didn't do that as you know, as a beauty enhancement, she did it because members of her family had died of breast cancer. She had the gene for it. And she thought, you know, I want to be around for my kids. Correct. Correct. And uh, Bill, there's only one thing that is really important. If I was, if I was, I'm sorry, there's a little background noise here. My doggy just woke up. So if I were, if, if your podcast, was available to me 10 years ago, my life would have been a lot different because now we have through your podcast, you're creating a platform that a lot of students don't have to go through a lot of the pain that you and I went through or a lot of other people because they can use from your experience. I just want in my limited time in this world that I've had so far, I just want to ask your students to remember one thing, when I was little, my father told me, you're going to grow up and people will tell you that hard work is the key to success. If working hard was the only key to success, janitors should have been the most successful people in the world. Working smart is the way to success. And that is true. It is really important. Like there's a shortcut to success that nowadays I can say that confidently. And that is aligning yourself with your higher purpose, which means listening to your inner voice. Okay, do I want to be a biomedical engineer because I want to be a good girl or because it's true to me? Do I want to be a dentist because I want to be, I want to please my parents or because some aspect of it is true to me? And once you understand that, that aspect, your stardom lies been underneath that aspect that you will find within yourself so you don't yeah and i also i also think it's really important to look in the mirror and be totally honest with yourself you know so many parents say oh you can do whatever you want to do that's not true you know i i mean you can tie me to a piano for 20 hours a day I have no musical aptitude. That's just not in my DNA. But the crazy thing is, Megan, I never took an art lesson. From the time I was three or four, I could draw anything. I could sculpt anything. Like I just saw it, I could do it. So if you can marry your natural talents with your profession, I think that, oh, not to say that you can't learn things outside of your natural talents, you can, 
But I always feel like if you can marry your natural talents, you know, with your goals and your professions, that always seems to be a, a real home run. And you, from the time you were a little girl, knew you wanted to be in front of people. You wanted to be giving them a message and you wanted to make the world a better place. You know, I have zero respect for all of these influencers and, and whatnot that just want to be famous to be famous. Like, come on, really? That's your goal? I just want to be, no, you want to be famous. So you have a microphone to help change people's lives in a positive way. And that I applaud. And that's what you're doing. So do me a favor. How did you prepare for that? You know, I mean, I know that when ABC gave me the opportunity to be on Extreme Makeover, I, you know, I watched the first few episodes and I realized the dentistry was easy because I'd been doing that already for 30 years. Being a TV personality, I stunk. <laughs> like I was really bad. I, I looked like a deer in headlights. And so instead of waiting for ABC to fire me, I took acting classes, hosting classes, teleprompting classes. I hired Ramey Warren Black, the woman who works with all the kids on American Idol and does media training to teach me how to interview, how to get in front of a camera and get a message across. So I'm just curious, what is it that you did to prepare yourself for the Megan Pormer show? So I'm going to make a confession, which I haven't ever. This is the first time. But I can say it now because the show has been, it's been over a year that we launched and it's been, thank God, very successful. So I'm very happy. Thanks to my amazing team. But when I wanted to start the show, um, I, um, I was going through the toughest time of my life in my personal life. So I realized that I cannot study. I cannot start attaining skills that I needed. And I needed a lot of them. Like what you just mentioned, I needed to do everything you mentioned. I needed to be trained, but I wasn't emotionally in the right place. I was not focused. I was shaken up and I was in a very dark place that I, that I, I literally couldn't. I, I remember hiring a few people to train me and I couldn't even listen to them. And I'm like, how am I going to do it? So then I sat with myself and I realized, okay, there are a lot of limitations, right? This moment, I'm having a lot of limitations. I'm not feeling well. I can't study. I don't even know how to do this. Not only I don't know how to do this, I'm not in the right frame of mind to study and learn it either. So there was just one thing that was authentic to me. I needed to heal. I was very, very traumatized. I lost my father at a young age and I was carrying the trauma and it caught up with me right before the show so I realized that there's only one thing I can do heal but I had one day to prepare and the show was starting the next day so I decided to heal through my guests I decided to pour my heart out and let them see my pain because that's the only thing I could do but I decided, even though that's probably the worst thing in the world, it, like so, somebody would have thought, I was like, I'm going to use this as an opportunity. You came on the show as one of the, my very first guests. I remember you probably didn't even know what was going on in my head. I said, Bill, I'm struggling. I said it on camera. I said, how did you do what you did? And you started telling me what you just said. You said, I trained. I wasn't, I wasn't great from day one. 
I did this, I did that. I was like, okay, so it's not just me because I didn't know what I'm doing. The truth is the day you walked into my show, I was carrying a full on show while I was crying inside. But I allowed myself to be without thinking that, oh my God, a terribly panicked out uh, girl cannot have a good show. Honestly, follow your instincts and show up. If you're sad, show up. If you're unprepared, show up and be willing to throw yourself in the water and learn how to swim on the spot. I didn't. I think that's, that's awesome. And you did an amazing job doing that. And one of the greatest lessons and one of the greatest ways to learn is you do this show and then you watch yourself and you'll be more critical watching yourself than probably anybody else will be in the world. Like I always tell kids, you say meaner things to yourself than you would ever allow anybody to say to you. And probably when you're watching your show, you'll be like, oh, I shouldn't do that. And I should, and you make these mental notes and that makes you better and better. I get it. And learning on the fly is awesome. Also, when you get the opportunity, here's my big question. How did you get the opportunity? Like the Megan Palmer show didn't just appear. You had to have really worked it. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, it was when, I, when Iran and Iranians were among the, let's say, blacklisted people in America, right? And I wanted to have the show when um, there was still a different president. And I wanted to make a point that an Iranian girl can be on Fox while the political situation might not be very pro-Iran, right? And I tried for it for nine months. And I was a woman of color, but too white, but I wasn't white, but I was from Iran. And they said, oh, we want you to only talk about commercial things. And I said, no. So for nine months, it was a no, 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 no. And what, I mean, what were you really doing for those nine months? Were you pitching a show to networks to prove like- non-stop like I was like I remember thinking to my and my mother thought that I lost my mind and who were you pitching to calls going on LinkedIn seeing anybody that has any relationships with any networks and just cold calling them me myself and I no salesperson nobody else I cold called for myself because I believe in me okay get it and I'm sure you got no 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 and yeah, but then you got a yes. Who was the yes from? And then what happened? The, if I tell you the yes never came until I said, let me show up and look at me, let me deliver and say no to me to my face. Okay. That's Hold that thought. I have something crazy. So I graduate dental school, right? I grew up poor. I had never traveled. And I'm thinking, I'm 24. When am I ever going to see the world? I I'm not. I heard about a clinic in Switzerland that had one opening, 400 applicants, one opening. So I start calling and calling and calling the director, realizing this is getting me nowhere. And I did exactly what you did one day on the phone. And I call this a life defining moment. Sometimes you plan them. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes they just happen. And I don't even know where it came from. But on the phone, I said to him, Monsieur Schreier, can I take you to lunch? 
Because I thought if he saw me in person and knew I was really serious, I would become a name and a face as opposed to another paper on his desk. And he said, but you're in San Francisco and I'm in Switzerland. I'm like, no problem. I'll fly there, which was even funnier because I was broke. Like I didn't have a, a pot to piss in. So I took out a loan. I bought an airplane ticket. I went there. I interviewed with him and he hired me. I was the only one of 400 people that did that. And it completely changed the trajectory of my life. So I love that you just showed up. I just showed up and I, and I, uh, you know, you mentioned something really interesting. You said, they said out of 400 people, they only accept one person. Right. And people would think, why me? Why not me? Why not me? And that's my, that was me. I'm like, if they're going to take one, it's going to be me. I was the only one who showed up. And I want everybody to, uh, that is watching your podcast right now to sit within themselves and ask, do I deserve what I want? If you don't think you deserve it, why do you think others will? You need to first believe that you deserve it. Even if you don't have any quote unquote uh, traditional equipments to facilitate that purpose, do you think internally you deserve this? If you Absolutely. And- and you need to show, I'm going to tell you one other story. This is a great one. Um, I became friends with Robin Wright, the actress. Her family came to me. Uh, she's American. Uh, she was on a soap opera called uh, Santa Barbara. And her mother remarried a man who was from England, um, who had a, a beautiful English accent. So Princess Bride is out and they're starting to do auditions for it. And her agent said, you're not going to get the part. And she thought, I really, really want to do this part. So she sat down with her stepfather and learned how to do a very long scene with a perfect English accent. She dressed like the character. She went and knocked on Rob Reiner's door. Rob Reiner made the movie, right? And without even saying a word, she just did the whole scene for him. And he hired her. Correct. Wow. I admire that. He showed up. Show up. Show up. If you're, even if you're crying, show up. You're depressed, show up. You're not prepared, show up. Show up and be willing to learn on the spot. I I decided to become a sponge. When you came in, I remember, I watched our interview many times because you are my, you were my way of learning. I was not capable to listen to a teacher, but I was capable of listening to you because in that moment, you and I connected very deeply and connecting to you started healing me. And I became your sponge, every word you said. And I learned through my guests. I truly did. But I- One of my favorite quotes, is a speaker at Leap, Nisi Nash, the actress, fake it till you make it, baby. Yeah, and that's what we did, Megan. It works. It works. All I knew is I remember my mom's asking me, she said, you've been trying for nine months. When are you going to give up? And also, when are you going to get a, like, you're not even ready for it. I said, I know one thing, talking to people and being on a public platform and helping people change their lives for the better is what's true to me. I have no choice. I will get suffocated if I don't do it. So I have two choices sitting and getting suffocated or dying while trying. I'd rather die while trying. 
totally. All right. So the show is now on Fox. It's, it's a huge success. My next question, what's next? Well, I am starting and well, the show is going to continue. Well, sorry, sorry. The show must keep on. The show is going to go more and more, but I am going to focus more on helping people heal because the show healed me. Now it's time for me to give back and help other people heal. Uh, And I am shooting two movies in Turkey. It's all focused on female empowerment because it's time for me to be the voice of my people, women in Iran, women in Afghanistan, women in the Middle East that's been suppressed and that are playing victim into the suppression. What What language are they in? Well, uh, the movies I'm making all in English because I need them to be universal because I need the West to understand what's going on in that part of the world. Um, And after that, we are starting an international film festival that is focused on foreign films that are uh, focused on humanitarian causes. That's awesome. I feel like it's time to award movies that are uh, shining a light on humanitarian issues. And that are there to help people and not just to entertain us. And I'll tell you what else is going to happen the week of July 17th. Mm-hmm. One of those days you are going to be a keynote speaker at LEAP and Woo-hoo! speak with my 450 kids in the audience and hopefully thousands and thousands online. You Wonderful. will be a speaker there. Okay. Like that was the best news ever. You literally just made my day. You always have good news for me. You see, yeah. I showed up, Bill. I showed up on the day of, that you, we were interviewing. Five minutes before you walked in, I was in the room crying. I was nervous to meet you. I was nervous to talk to you. I was nervous to even open my mouth. But I knew one thing. I had to show up. And look, well, you did an amazing job. You put on a great mask because I never knew it. And, you know, because of all the media training I've had over the years and the hundreds and hundreds of interviews, I, I you know, I, I, I kind of feel like I'm an easy interview. I could literally do the whole interview by myself if I had to, which I didn't. But I'm just saying, you know, I'm glad that I was there for you and I was able to uh, to contribute to your show. And you know, I'll come on again anytime you guys want me. I cannot wait to have you. And I know that you and I are up to some good stuff together. Really good. Right, Megan. Well, my heart to you. I love you. You're awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I think that the students that listen to this will get a lot out of it. And if anybody wants to follow you on Instagram or, you know, contact you in any way, what's the best way? It's at Megan Pormer. I now have 3.2 million followers, but I still, I made a, I made a promise to myself that I will always read my messages and I will always share anything I can, any advice I can to my followers. So please, any questions, reach out to me on Instagram. I am there for you, myself, personally. I love that. Me too. I mean, I don't have as many followers as you, but I answer all my DMs and uh, love to help students learn. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Dr. Bill, over and out. We love you. To learn more about the Leap Foundation, go to leapfoundation.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash leapfoundation or on Instagram at leapfoundation. 
Listen to the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.